Welcome back to 808s and Fast Breaks. My name is Jason Amar, here with my good buddy, Andy Cordell. Hey. And this is episode 19, the long-awaited, the week-long wait for the start of the Playing It By Ear series is finally mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. The first episode, Mac Miller vs. J. Cole, oh, starts pretty soon here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All we need to do first is talk for maybe like five, ten minutes about basketball. And mm-hmm. if you have any, you know, eyeballs on the TV or Twitter these last couple days, you, uh, you know why. And that's because Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets has requested a trade with four years left on his contract oh, and tough. basically set the whole basketball world on fire last week. It was on Friday, I think, Thursday or Friday, right? And I think we just need we just need to spend some time on it, right, Andy? Because me and, and for context, we haven't we haven't really talked about anything in the last few days. We had you know separate Fourth of July celebrations. Happy Fourth uh, of July to to those who are celebrating uh, across yeah, the country, yep. and hopefully people are listening across the country. But yeah, we we haven't spoken at all. So Andy, fucking. Fire away. How do you feel about Kevin Durant requesting this trade? I have some receipts pulled up, some career stats pulled up, that I oh, will kind of pepper them in as, as you fire away okay. here. Okay. Um, being, like, completely objective here before I just kind of go on a tirade, like, my biggest question was, like, why not? Like, why not run it back? Like... Because, like, here's how I see it. Like, championships really prove, like, players' worths in a lot of sense, you know? Like, Kyrie hasn't had a championship since 16, you know? Like, in a lot of sense, we've glorified him to live up to that style, like title standard, but he hasn't been able to. But, right, like, um, Brooklyn doesn't feel like they should extend Kyrie, like, a max contract. And it's like, okay, so then why don't we go prove it out there? We have better personnel than last year. Hopefully, shit Simmons steps up and actually plays decent basketball. They just signed <laughs> TJ Warren. Like it's it's a good team. It's a yeah. it's a it's, it's a, a good pretty team. Damn good team. It's, they they re-signed Nick uh, Nick Claxton too. on a great deal too. They uh, on a great deal. they who the, who else? They brought back uh, Patty Mills, mm-hmm. who I thought would leave, but no. Yeah, dude, I thought he was gonna stay. I thought Patty was no, gonna stay this, on that one. I, I completely agree with you. This is some spineless fucking bullshit. And no, and I do not. I am not with like attacking basketball players or at, you know just athletes in general, right? Because I think it's kind of impossible to under, like to put yourself in that position, right? Unless you've actually experienced it. But uh, no, this is some fuck shit, dude. This is like, <laughs> this is bad. This it's is bad. this ridiculous, dude. <laughs> like literally, this is so fucking insane. He has played eighty games in three seasons for this team. He has played eighty games. Wait, hold on, mind you. For the team that gave him a max contract, knowing that he was going to take a whole year off because of his Achilles injury, they paid him for a whole year, a max contract, like $40 million to rehab, knowing that they were going to get a return on the back end. And no, what did they get? They got 80 games of, granted, all-NBA performance. He's an incredible basketball player. But it's ridiculous. Like, him and Kyrie push their way to come to this team and now they don't like the team and I think it's really just a hip pissing match with the owner, Joe Sy mm-hmm. and Sean Marks saying, no, like, you don't want to sign my friend so we're just both going to leave. Like, I'm just going to pick up my ball and leave? Bro, yeah, I don't like, know. it's ridiculous. After, after, mind you, the worst playoffs like performance he's had in years. Years. Like, I'm going to read this off now. They won. They got swept to, to, to Boston, the eventual runners-up in the finals, right? So that's whatever. But the, the dude played 44 minutes a game, the most he's played in almost 10 years in a playoff series, right? And what did, what did he do with that? He averaged 26 points, but that's, like, not Kevin Durant numbers. It, it really comes down to the efficiency. He shot 38% from the field, 33% from three. And he turned the ball over a bunch, too. Like, let's look at this. Hold on. 
15, 21, 21 turnovers to 25 assists across those four games. Kevin Durant. Pretty, that's very, very average. And now he's saying, Oof. I need to leave because you guys aren't supporting me and my friend. Like, dude, this is ridiculous. And if he, I, I'm hoping it's just a whole bunch of hoopla and, he, and they just both end up staying and playing it out. Like, I just don't understand what this dude, like, it, he reminds me of Dwight, honestly, like, he reminds me of Dwight Howard more and more. Mm. Kevin Durant. That's the comparison I'm He, like, is, like, perpetually in this Dwight Howard 2011, oh, my God, everyone hates me, I'll just do this mode. Like, I just, dude, he's, I don't even know, who is Kevin Durant? Do you know? Like, not that he has to, like, be all public with it, but it's, like, like, dude, we don't like. What do you? What does he even value? He just values people's perception of him, and that's ridiculous. I um. I also sorry. Think, I just had to go off on a tangent no, no, there. No. It, dude, it's <laughs> it's completely warranted. I think what really sucks is I I feel like as a basketball community, we understand like how talented and gifted Durant is, and I think this is why we. We're, I mean, we got to be harshly criticized, like, we got to criticize him harshly here. Like, unprofessional, you knew what you were going into, right? Like, and that's where it's just kind of like, okay, how I also see it, too, is really, like, even if this team sticks together, they're not winning any form of championship just because of what's been brought out. Cult- you know culture's what I mean? fucked, dude. Oh, dude, your best player just says, Oh yeah, I want to take the second best player and we're just going to leave. Fuck you guys. Like, you know, fuck Nick Claxton for stepping up in the playoffs trying to fucking be a baller. Like, yeah, fuck you Joe for taking a whole year off, but oh hey, you're injured. Like all these things like matter. And then as this divide in the locker room continues to grow, you I mean I think Brooklyn made a great move in signing TJ Warren, but obviously TJ's there to prove himself. Right, yeah, he, he only contract. played four games in, like, the last two seasons. Exactly. Two so stress he, he, fractures. So, I mean, that's, like... It's tough. Minimum expectations, you know. Right, so all, he's going all out there... All reward, no risk. <laughs> yeah, he's going out there trying to prove himself. You know, everybody in Brooklyn, like, other than their two superstars, are kind of on the same page here. Like, you know, and that's what really sucks about the situation is we talk about Kevin Durant as this amazingly dominant basketball savant. And yet, like... He's so willing to give up on the backbone of sports, which is like, you know, sportsmanship, brotherhood, you know, like these types of things. It's just like you're kind of going to throw that all the way just because like, like you don't like the situation. Like, okay, shit happens, dude. But the, 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 the grass isn't always greener. And that's I where mean, I really feel like it's going to happen, I, I, though. Dude, yeah. And he's in a complete lose-lose situation now, too. And he, it's of yeah. no fault of anyone's but his own. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because he's going to go back. If, he's, or if he goes back, it's kind of like an Andre Iguodala grizzly situation. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That's awkward. It was just weird, dude. All those teammates hated him and, like, publicly hated him after they finally shipped him out. Like, because he was so open about not wanting to be there, not wanting to play with those guys. So it's like, right. why would they, why would all this, all these guys that just resigned to, to ride this dude's coattails, right? To, in a playoff run. Yeah. Like, he's supposed to be a leader. I think that's the other thing that's been shown. Like, he, he is a, an amazing basketball player, a Hall of Fame basketball player. Kevin Durant is not a leader. Like, me and you no. have been saying, it was always yeah. Russell Westbrook. Yep. Then it was always Steph Curry. And honestly, Kyrie Irving is the cultural leader of this Nets team, not Kevin Durant, as shitty as that is. It's not who I you agree. want to be your cultural leader. I agree. Right? Yeah, dude, he, he's that too. You know what I mean? But he is, like, possibly the greatest two ever if you get him on your team, you know? That's what sucks is just he's not built to, like, handle... Like, he's a, he's a one role. in terms of basketball. He's a two in yeah, terms two of, in like... Terms of- Culture leadership. setting leadership yep. style stuff, yep. you know? Yep. And that's that's why, like, I hope whatever goes on, I really hope Brooklyn can find a trade package, like, within the month. Because, like, if this stirs up through the summer and Kevin's starting, Kyrie's starting, like, Ben's starting, like, 
oh my gosh, are we going to have a roller coaster of a season? And someone's going to get traded midway. Someone's going to get traded midway. It's going to be bad. Of course. All right. All right. Real quick, before we jump into uh, Mac Miller versus J. Cole, the first round of our uh, Playing It By Ear series here. Yes, sir. um, Who or what is the trade package that you are most interested in? We don't need to talk about it too much, but like just what intrigues you the most? Which team, if there were to be a trade, is the most intriguing to you? I mean, we've talked about leverage of players, right? Like, we see giant, ginormous hauls that teams are able to get. You know what I mean? Whether it's, like, Gobert, AD. And so now you're talking about possibly the one of the best players ever to request a trade. I think you have to really look at assets here and what's tantalizing. And I think this could, like... I like Kevin Durant. I don't justify I, I, I anything don't. that he does. Okay. I like him as a player. Okay. He's an amazing basketball player. So I'm hoping, narrative-wise, maybe he can reconcile and OKC gets him back. You do some young picks. Like, uh, young Probably got to lose Chet. Dude, but, like, I don't know, man. KD... Man, if you got to lose Chet, though, shit, he hasn't even played. It, you know what I mean? I that's kind of hard to say, but that's probably what they would demand. Why wouldn't they? Because um, the motherfucker doesn't play. I will say for no reason other than just it would be batshit crazy. Um, I think he should end up, like, with the Spurs. Or the Mavericks. Go back, go back to Texas. Yeah. 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 yeah that would maybe be Mavericks would be cool. I think it'd be cool. I, I, I just, I kind of want him to have to be a number two option again. Like, just, 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 and just because I don't want there to be any debate about what, who Kevin Durant was. In oh, his career. all said and done. Yeah. He was a two. Mm hmm. He was not the bus driver, as Charles Barkley would say. Mm hmm. You know, and I just I want that to be clear. I'm I'm okay to be proved wrong, but it's like I don't know. I, he's 33 years old. He's 15. Yeah, I'm, I don't think a Dirk esque season is coming for KD. Dame, on the other hand, maybe I will retain hope there. Yes. But, yes. Yes. But I think something like that. It's just like the Mavs, and he has to kind of be Luca's guy. Luca, that'd be kind of cool. Something like that, you yeah, know? Dropping 40 off ball, like, yeah, that'd be nice. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, do some wild shit. But enough basketball. We'll, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll be uh, recapping some some free agency. Summer League starts in the next couple of days here. I watched some of the uh, California Classic the last couple of days. Saw I've Keegan Murray balling out. Yeah, yeah, Keegan. Mm, I mm. mean, dude, summer, all summer stuff, I don't count it. But, man, does uh, it make you want he looks He looks good. Yeah. Honestly, a couple guys in the Lakers look pretty good, too. Scotty's um, Scotty's son actually played pretty well as well. Yeah, he was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was it Swider? It's a pretty good shooter. I can't mm-hmm. remember his first name, but no, we'll, we'll we'll talk more more hoops later. Let's uh, jump right into it, man. W- uh, would you? Let, okay, for for the listeners, we we did kind of set up a rubric here um, for discussing each of these matchups, but. I want it to kind of still be a free-flowing discussion. I know you do too, Andy. Right, right. Um, so let's kind of do it like this. Let's, let's, we'll just pick whoever we start with, Mac or Cole. I'll kind of do a quick biography um, rundown of their career, right, their albums um, and whatnot. And then we can kind of hit each of the categories, discuss all the albums, say what we want to say closing thoughts move on to the next artist um you know rinse repeat do the same and then kind of come together at the end and talk out who's gonna win the battle does that sound good yeah yeah that sounds great cool all right well who would you prefer to start with i think we should go with cole first Yeah? yeah okay yeah i'm down for that so, all right, let me, let me just read this here. I have something copied and pasted here. Um, cut and pasted uh, from a whole bunch of sources. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's go right through this. Jermaine Lamar, L- Jermaine Lamar Cole, known as J. Cole, American rapper, singer, songwriter, record producer, and professional basketball player. That's just fucking crazy to say. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, He's regarded as one of the most influential rappers of his generation, born in a military base in Germany, raised in Fayetteville, 
or Fayetteville, uh, North Carolina, and originally signed to uh, Jay-Z's Rock Nation after a slew of mixtapes that garnered attention, uh, The Come Up, uh, then was it Friday Night Lights, and the warm-up was in there, eventually leading up to the debut release of a studio album, Cole World, Sideline Story, that was in 2011, and that debuted at number one on the Billboard charts, and what followed was kind of just a, a slew of amazing projects. Um, I think each one of these, I, I not think, I know, each one of these um, debuted at number one on the charts, Born Center in 2013, 2014 Forest Hills Drive, um, which also earned Cole a Best Rap Album nomination at the Grammy Awards, um, the jazz-influenced For Your Eyes Only in 2016, we had KOD in 2018, and we had The Off Season, um, in 2021 which and I'm just going to read this because this is crazy uh, KOD became his fifth number one album on the Billboard 200 featured a then record six simultaneous top 20 hits on the Billboard Hot 100 which tied only the Beatles I mean, that's I don't know I'll I wouldn't say. expect I wouldn't expect J. Cole to have that stat you mm. know um, and maybe other people have done it now streaming kind of lends itself to, to doing things like that but that's kind of, you know, his era, been active, at least from an album, you know, studio album sense from 2011 to 2021. And I just want to, like, fly right to the beginning, start with Cold World, Sideline Story, um, and kind of talk about some of this stuff with the lens of our, kind of our first two criteria, which, like, was dominance of the era uh, and, and project relevance. I think those two kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, they go dom- if, You know, correct me if I'm wrong, man. Like, if it's dominant, it had to be relevant for a long time. Absolutely. Like. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'll let you kind of jump off. Like, with Cole World, Sideline Story, I, I'm sure that was your introduction to J. Cole. That was mine. Um, hadn't heard anything before that. Kind of just curious. What was the first J. Cole song, like, you ever heard? Do you remember? Yeah, Dollar in a Dream. Same, dude. Same. Uh huh. And it yeah. was on you. It was a YouTube playlist, and I think at the time, "Dollar in the Dream" was uh was like a single release for his mixtape. At the time, he was like dropping, and like I found that on YouTube, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, who is this? You know, who's this?" It j- it just sounded young, you know what I mean? Like Cole, coming in, introducing himself, um. At the time when I'd heard it, all I thought was, oh my gosh, like maybe we might have, we might have somebody that I could really put up as a a, a great, like as much as like the debut projects for a lot of artists, it's kind of hard to gauge. I just felt like his, what he was talking about, how he portrayed himself, how it wasn't, it wasn't like gangster rap. To me, you know what I mean? There was like a level of like relation. There was a lot of thought provoking concepts I, in there. No, you know? I think that's that's a very good point to hit on. Like the very first thing I noticed about J. Cole when I listened to Silent Story was his ability to tell a story. Yeah, dude, he's a storyteller. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I have I think I wrote it down in my notes that he's like his storytelling, I think, is you could argue Kendrick Lamar, but that's not the the battle or debate we're talking, I think right. he may be the best like storytelling rapper of our whole generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really shows through like on sideline story, a couple tracks like like lost ones. Um, yep. That's a, like a tearjerker for me, man. Especially like with what's going on right now uh, in, in our country. World? Yeah, yeah, not the world. Don't confuse oh, yeah. it, dude. Sorry, the, our, our country. country, our it's country. Our country. Jesus yeah. Christ, did you hear about today? No. Chicago. Oh, yeah, well, I heard about that. I thought you were talking oh, yeah, about the, something with the uh, women's rights abortion. Oh, stuff. no, no, no. I was just talking about the shootings, but, yeah, like, just in general, our country's fucked. Um, yeah, we'll no, shit isn't going good. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, nah, back to J. Cole. Like, I think when I pull up that album, right, like, that's that's one of the first tracks that, that comes to mind, like, and for those that don't know, like, Lost Ones, about kind of that same thing we're just talking about in regard to women's rights, right? About 
what a young couple would do, you know, if if they do find themselves um, getting pregnant by accident where they're not in the best financial situation. And I think me, even me and you, Andy, have talked about this, right? When you're not able to, like, give your child the best life they deserve, why would you, why would you have one at that yeah. time? Yeah, because they don't owe um, you anything. No. You know what I mean? You, you chose to bring them into this world. You should be able to give them everything. I agree. And, I and agree. That's, that's where you got to cross the line and make sure, you know, like, get, that's why it was really dope that J. Cole talked about that, too. Yeah. And, and he just, and yeah, his debut album, bro. Yeah, debut right. Album. And, and the way he was able to weave, like, that, he, I think he's very good at this, right? Where, um, to use Lost Ones as an example still, where he's able to talk about that perspective of, like, what is right you know, probably morally right, but also talk about the other side of that coin where you talk about like what you maybe emotionally yearn for, like the devil on your shoulder, where I think there's a line in that, um, in Lost Ones where he says, um, like, I don't know what, what, you know, you, you aborted it or whatever. Right. But it's like, or I want, I I want to give up on this child. Right. But, but what about my seed? You know, is kind of that line at the end. Right. Uh, but what about your seed? So it's like, I don't know, because, like, why would that not creep in, you know? It, like, that's an incredibly um, emotional and life-changing decision. So, like, why would not every single angle of that crisscross in your mind in a very scattered way? And I think he captures those emotions very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know, it just makes you feel what he's feeling, you know? Yeah. And also, just like speaking on lost ones, I think the the really cool thing about where his storytelling really like shows itself is like he wasn't afraid to talk in in the perspective of somebody else. I really think that's like very important, right? He t- he took the point and stand of the woman and told her side of the story too, right? And I think a lot of times in hip hop, being predominantly you know ran by men. Like, it's kind of cool to see that there's, like, a level of vulnerability and realism with, you know, like, the real world today. I think that's why a lot of people can resonate with Cole because it's, like, he speaks for everybody because he speaks for people, mm-hmm. not just, not just, oh, man, a woman, a black man, a black woman. Like, no, nah, just, like, I speak for people. And, um, and on top of that, what's the, ne- what's the very next track? Nobody's, Nobody's Perfect, Perfect, which is and, hey, my and, favorite song on the album. And, and, and just on what you're saying about, like, the empowerment of women, right, and women in or the male dominance in hip hop, who's featured on the very next track? Missy Elliott. Oh but one of God. the queens of hip hop. Yeah, she's awesome. I think that that's like I didn't I didn't realize that. I don't know if that's deliberate, you know, in the track listing. But we, as we you mentioned, made it, it deliberate. As you mentioned it and talk about it like that, that that feels like very very deliberate. Right. Um, and of course, she's singing such a powerful chorus too, right? Like nobody's perfect, and you're like, wow, like this is amazing. Like, w- but you're what? Perfect what a project! For me. It's so good. <laughs> so we good. We rolling, we ride. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're like, oh man, could I come back? Can I right, come back dude. to listening to this for the first time? Um, one thing I will have to say that kind of, I think we'll kind of see with a lot of these artists that we go over, but um, I think one thing that Cole did well, right, is, like, the storytelling. But I think a lot of first record albums are kinds of things that artists not necessarily want to push 100%. I think if you were to talk to Cole honestly and be like, yo, one-on-one, like, do you think every single song on this album should have been there? He's like, no. And, like, he he's, he's um, you know, said things like, you know, we'll go into the future albums where he talks about letting Nas down by dropping, like, a radio record and things like that. But from from kind of listening, you can tell that there were moments of like um it, it just wasn't as smooth as what you like some of his other projects will go into smoothly writing it, right? Like for example, it's like uh the seventh track is like Mr. Nice Watch, which is like one of the most aggressive beats I think J. Cole's ever been on. Right? Like it's just sporadic. And the J C feature is like with very the punchy too. Yeah. You know? And it's like, hey, like, it's basically saying, Rock Nation saying, fuck you, like, here's the new mm-hmm. kid. You know what I mean? But then two songs later, he gets, like, this kind of soft R&B record, and he has a Drake feature, right? And it's just kind of like, okay, whoa, whoa, like, like you know, maybe I'm not, like, focusing 100% on the lyrics all the time, but that's, like, a pretty huge step in, like, 
direction, right? From like the classical hip hop samples to like R and B to like crazy weird Jay Z beat, like you know. And that's where it's like I think Cole did enough for himself on the first album to show that he could do a little bit of everything. I think that's what he tried to prove. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because you know? he has, if you look at it, I'm, I'm not going to go kind of like song by song, but even with the production, right, you hear kind of some like boom bap elements, right, like mm-hmm. classic hip hop elements and just kind of him spitting. You hear like crazy sampling, like with workout, right? Mm-hmm. Like that stuff, I don't know. Obviously that it feels like, like it's been used a lot, but that's a crazy sample, honestly. Yeah, dude, shout out to Kanye. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy sample. Um, and even just like, and yeah, you mentioned Mr. Nice Watch. Like, that's a total, like, ride with the boys in the car kind of song, you know? Yeah. Like, you have introspective headphones on, ballad, sort of, you know, like just keys and, and drums, right? Um, so, I don't know, just like a lot of variability. Like you mentioned it, this was a showcase mm-hmm. of yeah. his talent. I will say, like, if we're going to kind of talk about his growth and, like, the relevance of the projects, all that stuff, right, to give this one, like, a knock and we can move to kind of, let's just do, like, I'll I'll say this and then let's do, like, our favorite tracks uh, and move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I do think this album was too long. I agree. 16 tracks. No, 18 tracks. 18 tracks. Was was quite a lot. I think think it could have ended with Workout. Like, I don't know, I'm not... Too big, too big a fan of the last two tracks. I like um, Who Dat. That's yeah, fair. I, like I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna fall. Yeah, it's, it's, Who Dat? Who Dat? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, you know, ne- Never Told. I don't know. Like, I was just like, you feel like there's probably some songs that could have been cut on this one, especially when you see his growth and what he would do with shorter track listings later in his yeah, career. Yeah, that's what I would say it, too. Is like, yeah, he had songs that like were rightfully there, but it's like, no, nah, like he can really hack down the storytelling and exactly and, and kind of trim the facts um, yep but what was your if you had to say just like picking two what are your favorite tracks to come back on to come oh. back to on this one okay without a doubt number one is nobody's perfect that song i i'm just a huge is fan what, of Missy Elliott. uh nobody's perfect oh yeah yeah and the, i mean i'm just every time i see missy elliott i know she's on a fucking chorus and i know i'm gonna like just lose it because it's amazing um and i guess the other song that i really did like believe it or not it wasn't even a song it was the intro i think right the intro that one of the most immersive intros you know just talking about how he got pulled over he's spending the night you know locked up but it's like oh it was the fastest night ever because i got i got signed and it's like that is what a story to tell you know yeah. what I mean? And the piano and the, the people mm-hmm. in the background, dun, right? Dun, it's dun, just, dun. Yeah, you're like, it, it hits. I, I literally was going to say the intro uh-huh. um, and Lost Ones are my favorite tracks. Like, this is nice. one of those albums that I come back to, and I'll keep, I'll probably keep saying this as we're talking about J. Cole, even more so than Mac, just to kind of start that comparison. J. Cole, like, is nostalgia in music to me, with just like genuinely. It's oh, I like can feel that. it is music that I put in my wired headphones to ride and walk through the halls in the school on a goddamn like, iPod on an iPod touch like yeah. shit that I downloaded off Mediafire like yeah. it's you know this it's just like memories dude really like it's especially this album it just has a lot of like it makes me feel like it's 2012 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm or 2011 when this happened. I think I really listened to this a lot in 2012. I mean, we yeah, we listened to it a whole year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, let's let's move on to um Born Sinner, his second album. And and real quick, um just to mention this um that first album Cold World uh, did 1.1 million in sales. Um 47th ranked album in the year it came out, and I think this is kind of interesting. That its rank in the whole decade was 424th. Mm, in I terms can understand. Of in terms of album sales, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, coming in, uh, his second album in 2013, Born Sinner, is actually his second um, highest sold album of his career, which I, I personally think is surprising until you actually start looking at the track listing, some of the stuff that made it on as radio hits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 25th ranked album in 2013 and the 192nd ranked album in the 2010s. Kind of crazy with regard to uh, album sales. 
where do you uh, want to jump off with this one? And let's kind of start talking about that, like, dominance of an era and, like, if we start okay. feeling how we, how we feel about that. Because um, this is now two years later coming off a first album that did 1.1 million in sales and you're, like you said earlier, Rock Nation just anointed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Uh, Good Kid, Mad City came out in 2013, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly. And so here's was kind of like, this was kind of like a, kind of a big thing, right? Like the narrative at the time was you have two upcoming rappers, Kendrick and J. Cole, and obviously we're talking about J. Cole, but both kind of debuted their second project in 2013. I think like that's why I think so fondly of the year. Um, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just subconsciously, but you I know. also had acid rap and because of the internet this year. Okay, so we had some great fucking music, and some of those albums have like soundtracks I will never forget. No, you dude, know, it, dude, it's dude, Andy. They're they're it's our favorite music from when we're sixteen years old. I it's it's gonna know. live in, like forever in our hearts. <laughs> I know. And okay, here's what I'm gonna say. At the time, like, I remember I was, like, in school and, like, you know, like, everybody's kind of listening to their own music. And, you know, there's, like, a bunch of hip-hop kids and they're, like, hey, how'd you like the Cole album? And, you know, like, I asked around. And I remember at the time, not a lot of people liked it. The reception of this album wasn't as great as what people were expecting. Uh, I saw a lot of things that I liked, um, whether it's like very catchy choruses where you have like power trip or she knows, right? Like, you she know, knows, like the radio dude. hits and stuff. But I think he also talked a lot about like just general problems. I think people that aren't, uh, financially stable go through, like when you live in poverty where he was like talking about like the second track where it was Kearney sermon, uh, Kearney Sermon, right, where he's like, you know, you're like hearing all this and you're like getting empowered because you're like, oh, I feel the love of God. And it's like, oh, wait, it's just an advertisement for you to spend money. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like a concept that kind of rolled through the album because a lot of it is kind of based on a foundation of money is power in this album, right? And you can tell by the things that he wants or the people he wants to save, or the materialistic things like Chaining Day, which is probably my favorite song, where he has a little skit when he's like, oh, they're doing platinum? Platinum? They're that's actually platinum? on Forbidden Fruit. Oh, that's on Forbidden Fruit. Oh, yeah, because then it goes into Chaining Day. Mm-hmm. Um, which is my <laughs> favorite song off this album. Okay, okay. Forbidden Fruit. Chaining Day? Oh, no, Forbidden, Forbidden Fruit. Fruit. Yeah, and I guess I did like Chaining Day. I think that's probably my favorite song then because the skit that goes into it, uh, I think it just kind of embodies everything that he had gone through over the past year, like going on tour, right? Finally having like people recognize him. He's always been loyal to his fans and now he's kind of getting to like see what reality is for people that get an excess amount of money incredibly quickly. Yeah. No, for sure. And and this one has like kind of like similar fond memories, I think. Like dude, like this album in particular, like it it makes me think of uh hanging out in um my family's garage when we lived in Trevino. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mm-hmm. like we had like the pool table yep. and those like hanging chairs? Oh my god. We put gosh. the we put the music on like the Apple TV up top there. And dude. I feel like we listened to this album so much. We listened to it a lot. Yeah, we listen to this album a lot. Yeah, it's just like, it's like that's why I keep, I, it, that's why I say it. this is gonna be a recurring theme for me with J Cole. I have these like visceral, like nostalgic moments with a lot of this these albums. Dude, I truly like as soon as you said, do you remember the garage and the yeah. pool table? Everything just came flooding back, and it's just uh, yeah, like, no. dude, that's like the best feeling is unlocking <laughs> core memories again. You know? No, dude, it's it's awesome. Like that, like I always. And I was I listened to this album, some of it uh, in the in the car today on the way back from the beach, and like yeah, again, Forbidden Fruit, She Knows. It was so funny um, listening to She Knows Alexa because I never. It's just kind of those one of those catchy songs, you know. You don't. Like, mm-hmm. I never really thought about the lyrics too much. I'm <laughs> just listening to it, and she's oh, like, "What yeah. is this song even about?" And I go, "I don't. I don't know. One second. One second. <laughs> I don't like. I don't actually think I've really listened to it that closely." And then I go, oh, it's actually really fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's about a, a couple that knows their relationship is over. 
you know? Yeah. And, uh, dude, the way J. Cole talks about relationships, and I'm, we're going to definitely go into Mac talking about relationships. But I think, I think J. Cole, I, I wouldn't say it was humorous, but it's light. The, the, the material is hard, but, like, the delivery is light. That's a very good way to describe a lot of this. Um, mm-hmm. Cro- Crooked Smile is a great example of that. Awesome song. Awesome um, song. I think Born Sinner, the title track, is another great example of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, dude, that's, a, like, a very succinct way. Because a lot of this production is super poppy, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. At least super poppy for the rest of the stuff that he's done. Um, mm-hmm. But it really works, dude. It has, still has this, um, like, youthful. He still has this youthfulness in his voice. Um, as we get into the next album, and basically for the rest of them, uh, J. Cole has like this very, I think, distinct rasp that he uses in different points. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, rasp may be like the wrong word, but it's like this, like his voice breaks and like yearns, you know, and he doesn't really do it yet. I think it's like, and, and that's when I, 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 I really want to like commend J. Cole. Um, I don't know how I'm going to compare it to Mac yet. Cause we haven't really discussed that together, but in terms of like artist growth, I think already, right. You start to see it from J. Cole, this, this, like this perpetual showcase of, I can do literally anything you guys need me to do with a microphone and I can do it at a very high level. And I will make it go platinum, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, like, you can compare him. Like, if, you know, this is a basketball podcast, but, like, like he's really, like, one of the young kids coming up in the league at the time that when this comes out, right? Like, he's putting up numbers, and he wants the world to know he can put up numbers. And when we go to the next album, we can really talk about, like, refining craft, Right, but for this, I think he really kind of showed all the bags. Like you've said, a lot Jason of Tatum the production. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, like he's got. Uh, they, they said he couldn't do some stuff, and he came back and kept adding little by little. Right, mm-hmm. I'm just using mm-hmm. a recent example, young guy. Right, that you mentioned. Young guy. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, you could see Cole at the time. I mean, yes, 2013 prime. Cole's like what, like 22 at the time, 21. He's hungry. Yeah. Yeah, he's I'm, like stupid. Yeah, no, he may be a little older because he's Maybe like, like 35 now, 36. It's like 35. So that's like what, eight, nine years ago? But yeah, he's like roughly in his early he's 20s. He's like in his early to mid 20s. Yeah, and like you can kind of tell like he's excited, you know, for all of this to come. I'm like, I, I thought his um, feature choices were really cool here. Right, for example, at the time, 2013, very early days of like hip hop starting to exponentially grow in the subgenre. So you get someone like Miguel, right, who isn't exactly the most popular R&B artist at the time. I've liked Miguel for a long time, but yeah. he's same not with James Fontelroy. James Fontelroy, love him. And then I don't know where the hell. I think it's a TLC sample because, like, you know, with the whole TS- TLC thing, you know, like uh, like the member, one of the members dying. I think they've been broken, but maybe that was a sample. And then having Kendrick on Forbidden Fruit, it's like he kind of touched all the bases of where he needed to go. He don't forget Janae Aiko being on the closing track. Oh, yeah. I'd, like, she, I didn't even realize. That's one where at the time I did not even realize that was her when I was listening to this. And I went, when we went back and... Over this last week, week and a half, I've been listening to this. I was like, I cannot believe that's her. It's so, it's so, like, it's such a distinct voice, you know. It, it's so funny because these circles. This is why I think like, like hip hop is divine, defined, like literally by the artists, right? Because the circle was small at the time. Like all these big artists now, they don't really work with each other anymore. But like back then, when all of them were hustling and grinding, they were working together. I think that's a beautiful thing to see too because you would never definitely. think, you know? But it, it's, no, it's awesome. It's an awesome. But um, with regard to like dominance of an era, so like at this point, you know, we've seen him with back-to-back years, you know, he had his first album did 1.1 million. His second album did 2.1, right? Like, and then if you can think back, I don't, it's so weird, dude. Like at the time, I didn't care about how big an artist was. You know, I wasn't thinking that way. 
mm-hmm. um, kind of like meta, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like now I kind of think, I, not that that drives why I like things, but I, I like, I just think about things a lot more, you know? Um, and, but at the time, like, did you feel, did you feel like J. Cole was a dominant artist at this time already? Yeah, because it was him and Kendrick. Yeah. In okay. Terms good. Of like, good. Like, okay. That's what I want to say. Like. Yeah. At like at this point already, I think we're already like, oh my god, are we like Black Friday? Are we like, is it gonna happen? Is that a thing? Oh my god! It never happened, dude. It never. Oh it's dude, and it probably god. never will. Like that might be our generation's detox, bro. <laughs> dude, broke my heart because I bought the exclusive detox Beats headphones for six hundred dollars. I remember and, that, and he never dropped detox. I was the most disappointed kid. I was ready for that shit to knock. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, shit. I was ready shit for that happens. shit to knock. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm not going to lie. At the time, before all this wireless, I mean, the Beats headphones were actually pretty nice for the time that it came dude, out. Dude, I'm, so. I'm, clipping, I'm clipping that and putting it on TikTok. <laughs> that shit just, that killed me, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but, man. All right. Overall, Born Center, like, let's kind of, I want to try to fly through this. We got to talk about Mac. Dude, we're already at the 40-minute mark. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, maybe we got to fly through a little faster. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but I, it's a learning progress, kind of guys. Because, well, no, I feel like we've kind of captured, like, who Cole is, who we, like, mm-hmm. wh- wh- how we feel at this point, right? But, like, mm-hmm. well, let's move on. We don't need to do favorite tracks. We kind of already mentioned them. Um, next album, Forest Hills Drive. And I'm going to kind of lump it in for just for discussion's sakes. Let's talk Forest Hills Drive and For Your Eyes Only. Forest okay. Hills Drive came out in 2014. For Your Eyes Only came out in 2016. I think this can kind of be seen as like, if let's do the LeBron comparison. This is him winning in 2016 and taking Cleveland to a Kevin Durant-led team. Mm-hmm. This is like he, he literally did one of the like one of the best hip hop albums that have ever been created. I'm not. I. I I hope I'm not sounding hyperbolic. No, no. Uh, I mean, uh, if we list all the albums, this isn't on here, and you're our age. I, I really gotta consider your music taste. Um, even no, people that didn't like hip hop, fucking love this album. Exactly. Um, it's fucking good. Yeah, it's great. It's incredible. And at this point, you see the trim, the the trim down track list. The, yep. You know, it's still it's still yep. a little over an hour. You know, the 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 total runtime of the album, but thirteen tracks, all in like all their very own story, you know, and their very own theme. But they all intertwine so well, right? And dude, talk talk about an intro that grips you, dude. This yeah, th- this intro is is crazy. It goes, dude. I just pulled up this track list. It's insane. It actually is insane. There's no wasted space on this album. And you have like that yearning that I was talking about right away. That do you want to, do you want to be, you know? It, God. It, it, right off the bat, did you know you're in for a ride? Like, do you, do you want to be happy? That's the first line on this album. Oh God. It, it just hurts. Cause like, I don't, th- and maybe this is something that like is going to be debate as we look forward into the future when we have even more time to really consider material that is released. But I remember when that dropped and I was listening to this at my high school's parking lot in my friend's car and it was just like four of us and we were like, okay, we're skipping class <laughs> and we're just going to listen to this album. And we said, you know, screw it. And I remember coming out of that car and I was just like, that was the best project I had ever heard in my life yeah. at the time when it came out. And I was like, I, I, I don't understand how this could, how can this just be? You know what I mean? Like he, he at this point, he had addressed everything that he needed to. How are you going to make something so amazing and just drop it? And it, I was just, and- I was just... Flabbergasted. And it ended up going triple platinum with no features. 
Oh yeah, I totally forgot. That was a thing people were talking about. No fucking yeah. features on this. This album. has You're no features right. on it. He he's playing a lot of the instruments too, right? I think that might be more true on For Your Eyes Only, but I think he's playing a lot of the stuff here. You know? Yeah, I mean he he does chop his own samples and produce, so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he did it. Because well, I and well, the main reason I say that is like he did that do- like I didn't watch all of it, but I, he did that For Your Eyes Only documentary, and he's playing a lot of the strings and um, keys. Or at least created the actually wrote all the stuff, you know. It maybe had someone do it, but you know what I mean. When you it's actually like, like look at the when you look at like that to me, when you look at the complete ownership of the project, and that's true for your eyes only as well. I don't want to like exclude that from this discussion, even though it came out two years later. Themes are a little different, you know. I and this pro- Forest Hills Drive is on another level when you talk about these two projects, but I do think that this is kind of like him at the top of his like artistic game mm-hmm. is, is these, this stretch of these years, you know? Um, yeah. When you look at the storytelling we talk about on wet dreams, the emotion you're able to convey in that story. Right. And maybe it's just cause it was we're in high school when that came out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but tale of two cities, Fire Squad made me maybe want to like run through a wall when I when this came out. Bro, I was just gonna say Fire Squad just yeah. makes me want to lift weights. That beat is and I insane, don't like and weights. the way he goes in on all the rappers too, it's so crazy. It's insane. Um, no role models, you know, like the his the way he's always able to comment and like I don't know, just the way he's, the way he's able to talk about and make something that shouldn't be relatable to a white suburban kid like me, you know, the way he's able to talk about what it's like to like be a black kid in a rough area and not have a male role model. Right. Uh, and what you look for. Right. I like, I don't know. It's, it, it's that theme and that trope, right. is so prevalent throughout society and throughout art, you know, and media. But it I don't know if it's ever been done, seriously, in a better way than No Real Models. I don't think I could have said it any better either. I think J. Cole, what he brings out in me is understanding. Not like to the level like I understand your experience, but I can sympathize. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like in no way could I, but it's like it's... Right. It, 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 I don't know. I, this sounds like crazy to say, but I feel like some of this music like helped me learn how to be empathetic. Oh, t- dude, hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Because it's like, it's like you'll never truly like know how to live somebody else's life, you know, unless you walk a mile in their shoes, right? That phrase. But in all honesty, it's like there's parts of the world, all over the world, even in this country, where it's like there's basically nothing we can relate on. But J. Cole presented it like like a really good chef, like, you know, Michelin star here. <laughs> like, here's something that we can all eat and take together, right, culturally. Yeah. I think that's where it's and like... Because it, he, he distills these, like, he distills these things that can splinter off into, like, you know, big racial um, and societal kind of lanes, right, when we yep. talk about, like, the Roma, but it's... He pulls it back into how, like, literally, like, with the role model, like, you, everyone, like, needs this role model. It's not, it's not just men, right? Because he, it, obviously, a lot of this is that, but in the lyrics, it's, I don't know. I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but you know what I'm trying to say. He just brings it back for everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel, and, and it's a shame because um, in some of his later work, right, especially KOD, I think that's probably going to be the album me and you spend the least time on because it's our, our least favorite of his work. Mm-hmm. Because I think he got so talented at doing this, right, that it's, and he got, I guess, comfortable. I don't know if there's another way to look at it, that it came kind of preachy. I think that's the word me and you used quite a bit. Preachy, yeah. Yeah, is... There's a maybe I don't know, let me pull it up because I have Forest Hills Drive in front of me. But if I pull up For Your Eyes Only, I think I think it's probably just some of the last track that's a really more spoken word starts to get a little preachy, even though it's like incredibly heartfelt. 
Um, but that's not a track you want to listen to a bunch. It doesn't have a lot of replayability. Um, but as you, and as you get into KOD, where he's talking a lot more about this, this upcoming generation, as he's kind of established himself as a legend in the, in the game, it became, I don't know, it had this little air of uh, like jealousy almost and uh, like, I can't think of the word ego, right? If we're just talking about KOD, I mean, I really hate to say this, but I mean, just not, I was not satisfied because I felt Cole conformed. Yeah. Right? Like he, in a sense. But it's under the, and what was a shame is it felt like it was under the guise of, oh, mumble rap is the thing. Let me show you I can do that too. Yeah, it was kind of But it wasn't. It was just all copycat. You yeah. know, it didn't feel... I'll it let you kind of go on like that Cole. thought. I yeah, kind of interrupted it you. No, it's all good. It's just like, it didn't feel like Cole. Uh, you know, like, if we're talking about, like, this kind of arc, right, where for your your eyes only, right, Forest Hills Drive, I think Forest Hills Drive's purpose was to be empowering and insightful. I think for your eyes only was to breathe that kind of empathy and sympathy and storytelling. I, mean, I think to, to look within dude, yep. like she, she's mine. I will just real quick. Part she's one. She's mine. Two. Part one yeah. and part two. I listened to, after I listened to the album, I just listened to them back to back in this whole like week and a half of listening to music. That was like the one that like really, that moved me to tears. Mm. The, you know, that, it, I don't know, dude, that, no, like no. that, that, You're and right. the, there's, yeah, that, that's one like those two songs, I don't think I was able to um, appreciate as much when I was younger. Younger, I think when you're older and life experience hits you, and you start, you know, everybody has a little bit of weight on their shoulders, and as the weight continues to grow, as we do, we have to push on. But you look at songs where that is just a massive fucking boulder on my shoulders when I listen to She's Mine because it, like, yeah. puts everything in relative perspective, you know? I think it's beautiful how he was be able to portray, like, you know, what it's like to bring life into this world or, like, having a relationship with somebody yeah. and it's how it the, can flourish. the two most important people that you will meet in your life. You know, yes. your significant other, your other and, and your kin. Your, and your child. Yeah, exactly. And with the lens of, like, you know... Not to be like a, a, just like from a male perspective, right? But we are two dudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's you know like I don't have a child. I don't have, but I can imagine, dude. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how that would like change me. You know, especially like having a daughter. It's like he talks more about like what it would be like to have your first daughter. And I don't know, dude. I, I don't know. I, I can like start to think about what that would be like, dude. And it literally like, I talk about wonder, like run through a wall. Dude, <laughs> dude <laughs> you know it I makes mean? me like clench my fists a little yeah, bit. Like, no, I, yeah. Like adrenaline rushes because th- there's a lot of weight to that. And, it's and, mean, and, and with how scary it still feels, I know I'm not ready. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I know. I'm like freaking out. Just like thinking about it. Like, yeah. Oh, but that's how immersive J. Cole is. Exactly. He literally puts you in this world. It's like when you're listening to She's Mine, you're literally watching your daughter be born. Yeah. Like, you no, know. No, it's crazy. Like, and and, and, and there's crazy. a line. I don't have the actual line in front of me, but there's one where he's like where he says he's talking to his wife from part one and they now had the child in part two, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how like I thought I knew love in part one and now I really like no. I this is this no. is yeah. deeper. This is like and I love you, but th- that it's different for this this little one, you know? Yeah, dude. It is so wild because that is only something you will experience when it happens. And J. Cole just put it perfect. He's like, here's what's ahead of you. And mm-hmm. it's like at least that makes me feel more prepared. Like as a man, as a person, like you listen to music to grow. And to, like, find peace. And I think one thing that J. Cole did on this album specifically was, like, prepare any young man for experiences. Whether you, from wherever you come from, like, here's just some things that, like, you know, it's going to happen. It's, like, almost like a dad talking to you a little bit, you know? Like, here's, like, what I experienced in life. Here's what kind of sucked. But here are the good moments, too. And uh, I felt that was the most adult Cole album. You know what I mean? That was the most sit-down, like, 
with a glass of yeah. wine in your hand or something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just to close it off here, we kind of talked a little bit about KOD. Um, let's just hit the off-season, um, his latest album real quick, 2021. This was one that I, like, I listened to when it came out, and I, I enjoyed, you know, but I didn't come back to a lot. Coming back to this one was really fun. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was really fun for me. I really enjoy it. Um, and I think it's even cooler because it, it, I think it's what he was, some of what he was trying to accomplish on KOD done oh. a lot better. Yeah, dude. And yeah, it's cool because almost every song, not maybe not almost every, that might be exaggeration, but oh, there's a lot of features and there's a lot of features with unexpected people mm-hmm. and they fucking slap. <laughs> like, like hit the, like my life actually is an like, incredible the wordplay, 21 Savages wordplay is crazy. The little baby feature on Pride is the Devil is so sick. <laughs> um, so I, I, like that's, I will say that's one that like, I will have added to playlists, and I am ashamed I haven't been listening to that one more of the last year. I really, really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much on the same boat. I only ran through this album once. When I listened again, I think if we're... We were talking about, you know how KOD, it's kind of like... I hate to say this about Cole. Love him. But it was kind of like the kids at the park. And then it's just like that one old dude. You know? And and you're like, hey, like, bro, like, you're good and everything. But, like, can you play with people your age? And it was just like this reinvigoration of, like, true anger that comes out and i was it's not anger like as in like any of the material on the album it's just like okay like i you don't think i can run with you guys you think i'm yeah like hunger right yeah you know so he comes back with the off season and how i like to compare it since we were talking about just like you know like natures of arcs and stuff i think how you said that 2014 and then for your your eyes only was kind of like lebron's championship year right in 16 where he brings it back well i think kod was the last two years in Cleveland and the first year of Lakers where it was just like, fuck, that really sucks. But then he comes back in 2021 to win championship. Yeah. You know? And I like, like that that's comparison. Where, and that's where I feel like Cole's um, narrative is really solidified because now, like, you know, like Dreamville has been really going on with, like, collaborating amongst themselves, right? Like, you know, like the whole recording house thing. I watched that whole thing where they were Revenge this, like, of the Dreamers. Studio. Those Revenge collaborations have been incredibly popular and like mm-hmm. super, just fun, fun collaborations throughout. And we talk about growth of an artist, right? I think I'm, I'm glad you brought up Dreamville um, because I think that is like, it's ultimate growth. Like he, he won the video game, literally. Yeah. He started out sideline story, with Rock Nation as the protege, right? And 10 years later, he is making collaboration albums with his whole suite of artists on his label that he's able to put on and give incredible opportunities like JID, um, Boz, right? Yeah. There's Earth Gang. There's, There's incredible talent that he's able to work with and I don't know, what the relationship with him discovering or, you know, how involved he was with that. I won't act like I do. Um, but it's just incredibly cool to see that come full circle. Mm-hmm. And one point to kind of round it out before we, we start hitting Mac here, I think is just like, I think it's really cool how Cole is a basketball player, right? His first album is the sideline story. And like, there is no way he doesn't, because like you know sideline story it's like nah I've been on the sidelines all my life I'm I'm ready to play and now it's like it's the off season like well, he yeah, went you had, through you had the, it, it was with his mixtapes too because you, exactly. you had the come up you had the exactly. warm up you had Friday Night Lights and then he that's the sideline story he's telling and this you is, yeah and this is this is where like this is my little theory about Cole honestly I think now that he's entered the off season. I think he really kind of understands the season. He understands his career. He knows where he's at. He's kind of completed the circle. And so now I feel like whatever he does, 
um, is kind of open game now. There's nothing he yeah. has to prove anymore. There's just nothing. Like, he could go do whatever he wants to do, but I personally think J. Cole is really going to slow down on music and work with Dreamville. And yeah. I think we might get a project from him five, six years from now that will blow our minds. No, yeah, I think yeah. it'll. I completely agree. It'll just be way more sporadic, maybe more mm-hmm. singles or, you know, like Drake does with those, like, three single... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those little EPs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was a great way to close out on J. Cole. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, I, I did give him a 4.1 out of 5 on the bump scale across that whole listing. Okay. Um, just because I was slapping that shit in the car, dude. I was, and I was enjoying myself. Yeah. Okay, I'm at a 4.2 for Cole. Perfect. Um, yeah, just like very little disparity, right? But I mean, we're just kind of... I mean, the thing that sucks is, like, Free Eyes is only a, such a good album, but you bump that album, and you guys are driving home from a bar, you're going to end up in tears, you know? So yeah, it's I like, know. you know, <laughs> somewhere. Wait, but luckily somewhere. enough, you got a big enough catalog. Yeah, so. yeah. Luckily, it, it carries through. But that's yeah. the, probably the only reason why it didn't go higher. No, that's fair. That's fair. All right, let's, uh, let's shift gears here. We're, we're at the one-hour mark. Um, if you are still listening head. to this podcast, my holy head. shit, thank you. Take a break, maybe. (laughs) Come back. Get a glass of of water. (laughs) Um, But let's. We're gonna shift gears. Talk about uh, Mac Miller here, and then hopefully this is you know maybe another forty-ish minutes or so, um, and then we'll do our quick comparison and we'll we'll round this out at about two hours. Yeah, and then we can probably preview the next artists too, just roughly. Exactly. 